Okay, chapter 9 of the Gospel of Luke, going through the New Testament in a year, making a lot of progress. I'm going to start with verse 1, even though this has been in one of the other Gospels already, we're going to read it again. Chapter 9, Luke, verse 1. When Jesus had called the twelve together, those were the apostles that he had called, and we saw that he called them after a night of prayer, so he was careful in who he was choosing and choosing them prayerfully. If Jesus needed to pray, and if Jesus found value in prayer, we probably should pray and find value in prayer ourselves. He called the twelve together. Let's have a meeting. And he gave them power and authority to drive out demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter into, stay there when, until you leave the town. And if the people don't welcome you, leave town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So just leave. You don't have to try to talk people into it. Just get out of there. <clears throat> so they set out and they went from village to village proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. So proclaiming the good news. What's going on here? This thing that's going on here is the same thing that's going on with you and me. Well, it might not be you yet. I don't know if you're a disciple of Jesus. If you are, maybe you're just curious, just going through the New Testament, trying to learn it, trying to see who Jesus is and what your relationship to him is going to be or should be. So, but what ministry is, is these guys get something from Jesus. Jesus is transferring to them all authority, all power. Where's he get the power? Well, he's God himself, and he also, it says that he's operating in the power of the Spirit. So the same with us, he gives us the Spirit. Jesus gives it to us, and then we give it to others. So that's what's happening with us when we're servants of Jesus. Jesus gives us something, and whatever he has given us, we give it to other people. Well, what has he given us? He has given us the message of the good news, that people are separated from God, and that if they will put their faith and their trust in Jesus as the Messiah who died on the cross for them and rose again, then they'll be saved. So he has given us that message. And so when we take that message and give it to others, we're ministers of Jesus. We're ministering based upon what he has given to us. And here he gives them power to cast out demons. He gives them power to heal the sick. And he sends them out village to village. Why village to village? Because he wants everyone in Israel to know. Remember, this thing came first to the Jews, went village to village to the Jewish communities, and then to everybody else. And so the same for us. It goes person to person, neighborhood to neighborhood, job to job, uh, friendship to friendship, until the whole world hears. Now, verse 7. Now, Herod, the Tetrarch, heard about all that was going on. And he was perplexed because some were saying that John had been risen from the dead. Um, people don't know who Jesus is, so some of them think that it's John the Baptist whom Herod had killed, uh, risen from the dead. Now, that would be a frightening experience if you were the king, the ruler, the governor, and you put the guy to death and then you find out that he's back. That would not be good news for you, so that would be troubling to Herod. Others that Elijah had appeared because they were looking for Elijah, the great and powerful prophet of the Old Testament. They were looking for him to come. Still others that one of the prophets of long ago had come back to life. So some of these prophets they had, that they had read about had some power, did some miracles, and now Jesus is doing it. So they think maybe 
Maybe that's who, maybe that's who he is. But Herod said, I beheaded John. Who then is this that I hear such things about? And he tried to see him. So Herod wants to see Jesus, wants to listen to him, curious about him. Well, we, we get the account from verse 10 to verse 17 of feeding the 5,000, but we had read this counter similar account in the previous gospel, so we jump to verse 18. Once when Jesus was praying in private, his disciples were with him, and he asked them, who do the crowd say that I am? Well, that had just been the topic, right? They had gone out, and when they went out, they're finding that people had already heard about Jesus. They hadn't seen Jesus. They hadn't been to one of his meetings. They hadn't been to one of the teachings where Jesus was, but they had heard about him. And as the disciples are traveling out and going from town to town, they're hearing people talk about who Jesus is or who Jesus supposedly is, who they have heard that Jesus is. And they answered and they said, well, uh, some are saying John the Baptist and some are saying Elijah and some are saying that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. And Jesus said, what about you? Who do you say? And Peter said, you're God's Messiah. You're the, you're the Savior of the world. Well, this is the same thing he asked him when he's up in Caesarea Philippi. So he is the Messiah. Uh, people say a lot of things about Jesus. They say that Jesus is a good teacher. But you can't say Jesus is a good teacher if you don't believe his teachings because he told you to put your eternal destiny into his hands. Now, a uh, good teacher, uh, if that's not true, then that's terrible teaching. He, he told you to put your eternal destiny into his hands. So if, he, if that's not true, you know, who is he, a prophet? Well, no, he wouldn't be a prophet. He'd be a liar. That'd be an awful thing to put your trust in him if he couldn't raise you from the dead. But put your trust in him because he can raise you from the dead. <laughs> and he can grant to you eternal life. So um, Jesus is predicting his death. The disciples don't like to hear about this, but Jesus keeps telling them that this is the reason that he came. So uh, verse 21, Jesus strictly warned them not to tell anyone about this. Jesus is the, just doing what he, he's doing. He's going from village to village like he's supposed to. And he said, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders. Now they would have thought because uh, he's the Messiah, because he's the coming king, that the elders are going to be excited about Jesus, but not at all. That's not the case at all. The Son of Man will suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed, and on the third day he'll be raised to life. So he's telling them that after three days he's going to come back to life, that he's going to be rejected by uh, the elders, and he's going to be rejected by the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me daily. This is a daily thing, taking up your cross and following Jesus. And part of taking up their cross is that you're going to be ridiculed. Not so much maybe us in the United States. People don't ridicule us too much in the United States. We're still very religious people, and we have some resemblance of Christian foundations, right? Where uh, the founding fathers, even if they weren't Bible-believing, following Jesus, denying themselves Christians, they were certainly influenced by the ethics of the kingdom of God, certainly influenced by the ethics of the Bible, and they were not hostile <clears throat> to the teachings of the Bible. So, you know, our country is built on that heritage, and you know, we don't get persecuted as much as people do in other countries. Some countries, they put you to death if you're a believer in Jesus. So take up your cross, 
A lot of things maybe you can't even do, you know, because you're a believer. So you take up your cross daily. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will save it. You can't can't give up anything for Jesus. My old pastor used to say, you can't outgive Jesus. He, God, is, God is never going to be your debtor. And he said, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and lose their soul, forfeit their soul, their, their very self? What, what good is that? That if you gain everything, but yet, that you don't have eternal life, then it's over. What's that? That's, that's no good. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory, in the glory of the, of the Father and of the heavenly angels. So, um, not being ashamed of naming the name of Jesus, naming the name of Jesus. And then he said, I tell you that uh, some who are standing here won't taste death before they see the kingdom of God. And in verse 28, they do. They go up onto the mountain. We saw this in one of the other Gospels. Jesus is transfigured. His figure, his personage is transformed into future glory. And there is Moses and Elijah, the past, the present, and the future are all on the mountain. You see Jesus uh, healing again, a possessed uh, boy, verses 17, verses 37, I'm sorry, through 43. And then Jesus predicting his death again and talking again about the cost of following him. So we're moving right along in these Gospels, and it's pretty exciting, and it's exciting to be with you. So let's continue to go through the New Testament. Hey, you are loved, you are loved, you are loved. Hey, grace and peace in Jesus Christ. Have a great day. God bless you.